This is HPR episode 2821 entitled Interviewing Some Exhibitors at the 2019 VCFE.org event and is part of the series Interviews. It is hosted by Arun Patton and is about 46 minutes long and carries a clean flag. The summary is I interviewed some of the exhibitors at the recent VCFE.org event in Munich, Germany. This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. And hello, everybody, and welcome with another podcast by me, Jerome Burton. Um, this time, uh, I'm trying something new. I, I bought myself a toy, to be precisely, I bought myself a Zoom H4n Pro, and I just had an old mic laying around, a Shure SM58, I believe, and I thought, well, can't I just do some interviews? I don't know, I've never really done any interviews, so... I thought I'd give it a try. And since I was anyway at the VCFE in Munich this weekend, and for those unfamiliar with the event, VCFE stands for Vintage Computer Festival Europe, I thought, well, I'm being one of the people exhibiting there. I brought my own AS400 and three TwinX terminals, set it up, and had myself uh, a blast uh, telling people about this completely antiquated and uh, well my system is and uh, and 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 completely different computer system uh from well what you're familiar with probably like linux and windows and apple anyway so i uh, brought my zoom uh, uh equipment my mic and i thought well at some point Later in the day, let's just interview a couple of guys. And what you're about to hear is the result. Now, I'm not going to say that it's any good because I don't think it is. And it's I'm just rambling and they're just rambling. And, well, maybe, just maybe, it's you find it entertainment or, or interesting or fun or whatever. <clears throat> Sorry. Just do me this one favor. If you think this is by any means interesting or you have a positive experience just let me know in the in the in the comments because i'm pretty curious what you think of uh, this um, well let's say first experiment so without further ado i'm going to merge in the files that i recorded maybe here and there i'll interrupt to clarify stuff but uh, all in all well let's see what happens so here goes okay so i'm now standing at the VCFE, the Vintage Computer Festival Europe in Munich, München. And I'm standing next to somebody who calls himself Steckschwein. Can you tell me your Steckschwein? Not actually. Uh, the Steckschwein is something I, I built or we built, my buddy and me. My name is uh, Thomas Woinke uh, and that guy kneeling over there in front of this computer is uh, Marco Lauke. And... Uh, 
the Steckschwein is uh, some pretty much a team effort to build um, a homebrew computer that might have existed in the 80s so in the in the in the heyday of of the 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 uh, 8-bit com computer era and um, so that was the actual goal um, back then and uh, since then a bit of feature creep happened and uh, I don't think this would be possible back in the 80s we have a couple of newer components but um, yeah okay so and um, what processor did you choose it's a 6.5 CO2 so we are both um, um, Commodore buffs so we uh, are pretty much uh, into 6.502 assembler so the 6.502 was uh, the logical choice for us also it was the only um, processor we are really uh, fluent in, in assembler fluent-ish I might say so um, yeah why not And when you say feature creep, what, what kind of features? So you, I guess you start with a processor board, but what, what happens next? Yeah, you know, we, we started off with a, with, a, with a breadboard, put the 6.5 CO2 on there and uh, a bit of wiring. We rewired the, the data bus to a knob instruction and just watch what happens. And we went from there, so we added ROM and added some, uh, let it execute some some simple code, and they added RAM and added execute not that much uh, simple code, and uh, and so on. We added a serial interface so we could upload code from our from from from, from our laptops, and uh, be able to run actual pro uh, programs then, and uh, yeah, and then stuff just started to to happen. Ideas. We just uh, started to exist. We added an SD card as as, as mass storage uh, and other other things. Um, we added a, a video chip. That was something where where Marco uh, uh, came in. Basically, um, we started off with the TMS 9929, and we upgraded since then to the V9958, which is the successor of the successor and is much more capable than we have a sound chip and these are chips which are already from mid to late 80s so this is slightly um, slightly after the, the 8-bit heyday so I think we have a, some some overshoot here on our goal but um, yeah it happens to be a pretty awesome 8-bit computer if I may say so, and it's a lot of fun since then. Yeah, fun is important, of course. Yeah. Um, do you know maybe of this, this initiative that I saw on Facebook uh, with a, a guy that wants to rebuild the Commodore in a way and um, uh, uh, tries to design new hardware? Have you heard about it? I'm not sure, since I don't have Facebook, so... Um That's yeah, it's it's a hidden group on Facebook, and you need to know about it. No, no idea. So, uh, okay, there's a lot of people doing stuff with com with Commodore hardware. So I don't know about this uh, uh, particular one. So, oh, okay. Well, thanks a lot for uh, answering these questions. Um, Thank you for asking me stuff. <laughs> We like to talk about our stuff. It's on normal days at home. Don't uh, are not full of opportunity of this. So. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, time is always a short factor. On, uh, and 
people who listen to you, <laughs> actually. Well, try it on uh, Hacker Public Radio. People tend to listen there. Okay. <laughs> okay Maybe I will. You. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay, so the next stop that I'm making is uh, with uh, this other kind of equipment, and it's called an NSC MCS CPM system. Yes, I have no idea what I'm looking at. Yeah, the, the Who are you? Yes, my name is Fritz Dotzer, and uh, this letters NSC means National Semiconductors. So this is the system, a CBM system from the year 8081. 8081. No, 81. 81. 81. Yes. Yeah, Not 1881. 1981. 1881. Yes. Uh, inside this uh, computer unit are three printed circuit boards are working on a multibus system. So the multibus, maybe you know, multibus comes from Intel. Intel has developed multibus. On, on this multibus, three hardware are installed. So the first is uh, the processor board. On this processor board, you have uh, CPU, you have the counter, You have the timer, you have two uh, PO uh, uh, parallel boards and two serial controllers. And there is no, no RAM on this board, on this uh, processor board. Only a two kilobyte EEPROM memory, which contains the, a minimal BIOS system for the system. And, and, and what kind of processor is on that board? It's a Z80. Z80, 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 yes, okay. oh, yeah, Z80. Yes, the second, the second board inside, multibus board, is a 64K byte uh, RAM memory board. Yeah, it's, it's not a normal RAM, it's a dynamic RAM, must be always refreshed. You know, it's also from this time, 81, and uh, the chips, you see many, many chips in uh, chips in 16K by one bit. So you need 16 factor 4 and then by 8, 4, 8, 32, 32 chips you need for this uh, 64 kilobyte. Yes. And yeah, looking at a photo, it's a lot of chips. Yes. <laughs> a lot of chips, really, yes. Okay. And last but not least, a board, uh, a floppy controller board. Yes, on this floppy controller board, you can connect to, uh, to, to floppies, to an uh, 8 Zoll floppy or to a 3.5 Zoll uh, floppy disk. So three and a half inch floppy drives and eight inch floppy drives. You can connect to the floppy yes, yes. controller board. Ah, okay. And and what was this system used for? Was it a hobbyist computer or But this? I do not know. What what I know is uh, this system was in use until to the year 88. And in 88, I buy the system on a on a computer market. Yes, for hobbyists. And my thing with this computer was, okay, I know on this computer I have a serial interface which where I can read in uh, synchron signals. Not asynchron, asynchron, you know, asynchron, uh, you have always in PC systems, but this system supports the synchron signal. And I use this 
for satellites, uh, for receiving the satellites' uh, telemetry data which coming out on uh, for amateur funk satellites, amateur radio satellites uh, on the frequency 2 meter in on 145 megahertz. There is a bacon uh, on the satellite and they sends down in a 400 baud stream by a phase modulation. And this modulation goes through a special hardware. And after this special hardware, the sound is split in data and in the clock signal. And these two signals I can bring in in my computer and then I can read uh, the information, the telemetry data from the, from the satellite. So this is this was my first application for this computer. Yes. Okay. So you, except besides being a computer hobbyist, you're also a radio yes, uh, hobbyist. A radio amateur. Yes. My my call is uh, Delta Golf Four November Bravo Echo. Can you repeat that, please? Yeah. Delta. Delta Golf Four November Bravo Echo. Okay. So any radio hobbyist now knows your call sign yes. and can look you up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can look, but I'm not so. Active. Maybe I was active 20 years ago, now no more. Yes, this was my first application on this machine. And uh, second application, maybe uh, if, you, if I start uh, the operating system on this machine, I can also start a Turbo Pascal. Turbo Pascal in one of the first versions. So the Turbo Pascal version is uh, version 2.00b. This is the one of this version. Turbo Pascal 2.00b. That's really, really, really old. Yes, and I can also start uh, M Basic, M Basic from the year, from the year 1977. Yes, really old. Also, yes, <laughs> and yes, and on the discs, uh, I, I I buy this system. On the disc, there is also a game for for Basic. Uh, it's called uh, Star Trek. Yeah. Oh yeah, Star Trek. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, this is a long time ago. Only with, uh, only with letters, only and scroll ups always. Yes, simple game, simple game. Yes, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you a lot for uh, thank you very much for this uh, small uh, interview and um, well, uh, good luck with uh, your system for the next years. Yes, I hope maybe I take it in the keller and then uh, <laughs> no more action. Okay. We will see. Yeah, yeah, we will see. Okay, very good. Okay, so now I'm at my third booth, and now I'm standing next to what is a S5 programmiergeräte PG675 and the PG685 under CPM86. I have no clue what this is. So who are you and what am I looking at? Uh, my name is Klaus Loy from Nuremberg, Germany. And you look at uh, Siemens uh, program, uh, programming units for uh, old S5 uh, PLCs, or SPSs in German. And what, what is a PLC? A PLC is a programmable logic controller for industrial equipment. You can uh, put it in an electrical cabinet, put some wires on it, uh, make a program, load it into it, and then you have uh, a controller for your machine. Okay, so, um, and you use a, a, a Siemens sort of PC to develop programs to upload to a PLC uh, uh, device. No, I do not this. Ah, I, okay. I, I, I did this before 
20 or 25 years. Now this uh, operating uh, machines are historical and they are here on the show so the, the people can see it and I can demonstrate how it works. Yes, but otherwise this old stuff is useless. But it's, today it's useless. Yes, it's nearly useless. Maybe somebody has an old machine and then for him maybe it's it can be useful but you can do the same also with a with a pc with a modern pc and with an old software this this software on on this machine you can run also on a pc and for the pc you have a converter from the serial port to the plc and then you can do it on the pc this technique is from the late 80s and in the beginning of the 19s you had you could use it still but then you move to pcs Yeah, that's late 80s. Uh, sorry, what is uh, you say early 80s or late 80s? Uh, late 80s. Okay, late 80s, yeah. Maybe this was 86, this old one, this BG675, uh, yeah. BG programming unit uh, 675, this is the model number. And this one maybe was also very end of the 90s with hard disk. And the other one, the old one, was booted only from the uh, diskette. It, it looks to me like a sort of a transportable computer with uh, a, an old uh, CRT uh, uh, monitor tube, and uh, the, the 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 lid of the case is also the keyboard with five and a quarter inch floppy drives. That that's what I see, and and very Siemens-like keys, round keys. Absolutely, absolutely correct. Very uh, beautiful Siemens uh, keyboards. Okay, you f you think they're beautiful, and, and maybe other people have another opinion on that. I won't go into that, um, but uh, yeah, and, and it's colorful, um, clearly. So, and you develop on these portable PCs, and then you upload it to a, a, a an S5 PLC. Yes, this is right. This is right. Uh, for example, I have here a very small program, only with four lines. The first line load, loads a byte. One moment. Please repeat the question. Okay. Okay, you can see here a very small demonstration program on this S595 PLC. There is an output byte, it's counting. And in the program you see I load, I load the output byte. I load a constant number one, uh, the constant with the value one. Mm -hmm. I make a plus F. This means uh, add, edit, and to edit, and then transfer it out to the output byte, and so it counts in cyclically. This program uh, runs cyclically. Simple binary counter. Yes, okay. it's a very silly program, but for demonstration, it's okay. On the other programming unit, moment. This was wrong. There we should see a program in letter programming language with two contacts in series, input 0.0 and input 0.1. And then if this boss is on, then the output comes also to one. I can show you here. 
one uh, switch, the second switch, and the output is one. You can make here graphical programming. You can do this also on the ESA machine, but I show it here. This is letter programming. Then I can switch this language to logic uh, programming block. Then you can see uh, AND gate, uh, OR gate, and the uh, output uh, substitution or whatever. And the third one is... is uh, STL uh, structure text le no 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 it's just a text language like uh, and, assembler also. and you said you have been programming these systems for 25 years um, what kind of applications did you b uh, uh, build uh, I was in a in a company for aluminium uh, fabrication we had had made uh, modification on the machines we was in the uh, instandhaltung in German uh, repair looking for the prob for problems and there we use this programming units and then we have made very small uh, automatic machines for making aluminium parts uh, okay yeah clear well thank you very much for your time no problem I'm here today and tomorrow yeah today and tomorrow thank you for the interview You're very have welcome. a nice time okay bye So here I am again. Um, while I was standing on um, the uh, VCF uh, with my uh, my AS400 and uh, terminals, next to me was a stand called Nemesis, and I have no clue what it is. But I'm now standing next to two of the uh, people of the Nemesis project. So can you introduce yourself, and then let's start with what Nemesis is. Who are you? Hi, my name is Astrid Jacob. I'm an American living in Munich, and I'm actually a fairly late nemesis wizard, but I'm a very good friend with the mud god, Snake, who's next to me. And basically, many years ago, when I was very sick and had a cold, I asked him to restart this online multi-user dungeon. So, Snake, how about you? Well, <clears throat> uh, I'm, I'm a native Munich, not an American. <laughs> um, uh, this game was actually running three times already, as in three phases. And uh, she, uh, yeah, she made me start it up for the second and for the third time. <laughs> so um, usually uh, it was, uh, the first one was at the university. And uh, it was running there for three years, three years, four years, from 90 to 94. And um, after that, I uh, had it running on the actual, in the real hardware we have here. And um, this was basically the original hardware where, where it was also running on the, at the university. Yeah, which is a deck station. Okay, the, the company deck is long gone now. In the meantime, even the company who bought them is gone. <laughs> yeah. And um, so this is pretty, pretty old hardware, like uh, 30 years now. And um, the fun to run this on you know, the, 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 the sense of running this on the old hardware is because of the vintage computer festival. Yeah, that's, but we didn't ju just want to show the old hardware, we also want to run it. And so this was the idea behind bringing the game here. Normally, the game is running on a modern computer, a a reachable on the internet. What, what's uh, the URL? Nemesis.de. Very simple. <laughs> and, um, actually, we have a, our own web page. We have a, a little web client there, but you can still connect there over various classic ways, like using Telnet or TinyFuge, other uh, cl classic mud clients. You can play it on almost anything, even on your mobile. Yeah. 
And even on the AS400, like we have seen. <laughs> yes, because, because what we did is we took, we basically hijacked one of your AS400s, made you configure the Twisted Peer interface, and you connected to the Nemesis. Let's, let's talk about a little bit about what we have here. So, so, so basically, uh, Snake, who is the actual mud god and one of the original admins and programmers of this game, he, so he set up the server running on a deck station. What model? The first, time, the first one was a 3000. It's even slower than this one. Deck station 3000. And what is it running on now? 5000. Deck station 5000. So that's like very, very old hardware. And what we did is that... Running this local instance here at the VCFE in Munich, uh, we set uh, up an Ethernet, a little Ethernet network, and we connected a bunch of vintage computers like an SGI Indie, like a little Libretto, like, uh, like, like, a, like a telecom test computer, stuff like that. And then, then the guy set up uh, a serial terminal server, and we connected over a serial network a bunch of vintage serial consoles, which... Yeah, and terminals that which is great fun, and all of them are running connections to the server and just showing what it was like back in the day in the in the early '90s with people sitting at the university, maybe in the computer room, on some fancy X terminal or on some fancy computer or dialing in. Like uh, we have done it, we have done it last year, right? Yeah. We connected one of the terminals over a modem line. <laughs> like the very old model this is over there on the table huh? uh, with the what's it called in English the uh, not the modem the, 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 the acoustic coupler thing oh you mean the 300 bar thing you put the you put the yeah, phone, yeah, yeah, exactly. the phone on yeah yeah you know, not, not as modern as a, a, mod, a modem but even older like you put the yeah an old acoustic coupler coupler to 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 put a phone line connected to the computer and yeah actually, and we actually even set up an old telephone so that still had like like the handset and everything and put the handset on this acoustic coupler and so that was pretty cool and ran a line across the VCV to show how people would dial in and, and play over 300 baud. Yeah, you couldn't really dial with them but it was a fixed line <laughs> but it was the original equipment which you used for that. And so, so what we do here is we've we've done we've done tournaments and competitions, so people could win a Nemesis T-shirt from us just to bring them in, show them the joy of playing the game, which we haven't actually described yet. So we'd like right. to talk about that. <laughs> do we want to describe? Well, let's put it in a nutshell. Uh, Nemesis is a text-based multi-user dungeon. No graphics, no pictures, no animations. Only ASCII art in it, which is actually very pretty. And what you do is you log on, you create a character, a simple character, you start walking around the village, you might pick up some objects, maybe you'll kill a monster, maybe you'll get into trouble, maybe you'll get killed yourself. So basically what somebody said the other day is that this is the predecessor of all these games like World of Warcraft and God knows what, just minus the graphics. Basically World of Warcraft without pictures. <laughs> yeah, without graphics. Also, to quote another guy in a magazine who once said, this is also kind of the Minecraft of the early 90s because you not only get to play this game, but if you finish a certain number of quests, you can, you can uh, ask to become a wizard. You have to take a test. Becoming a wizard means to become a programmer in this game. And then you are permitted to extend this game. You write additional areas or rooms. You write objects. 
pretty little things, little quests, and so you keep building on it. That's how it grew so big, because it's thousands and thousands of, of rooms. What is it currently so big that you have? It's, it's big. I, I don't even know all corners of the game. It's ten thousands of rooms. It's a, it's a complete world. It's a complete planet with continents and islands which are connected with ships. And uh, some, most of the ships uh, have a timetable where, where you can look on, but there are also ships you can steer yourself. <laughs> so it's a really comple a complete planet. And then you can imagine how big it is. And do you have any statistics or numbers on the, on the, on the, the amount of users that are playing this? Well, this uh, depends on which time period you're asking. Because it used to be the biggest one in Germany when I was running at the university. When I had to close it, uh, newspapers uh, reported about it. <laughs> this, this, was in 19, um, this was closed down in 1994 uh, by the administration of the university uh, with all sorts of excuses like using up too much bandwidth, etc., distracting the students. These days, and this is what Snake actually told me, that the students learned to do object-oriented programming on it because the programming language of this mod is LPC, which is an early version of an object-oriented C dialect named after the inventor, Lars Penser. So that's why it's called LPC. Yeah, and um, basically we had the support of the university, of the professor where, on which computer it was running, and uh, also other responsible persons, but there was, only, was one one institution or what administrator or something, which uh, thought it is uh, t using too much bandwidth or something like this, which is not correct. Yeah, it's a game, so it can't be uh, serious. That's that was basically probably his uh, his idea, but it, it's not really true. Many people, including myself, learned how to program ob object oriented. And and these days, how many users do you see? These days is now uh, <laughs> much fewer. <laughs> so um, most people. Prefer the graphics, with <laughs> even if. Well, who knows? I mean, uh, Hacker Public Radio. There are, uh, I believe, uh, this recording will be heard by about 5,000 people in a year. Uh, so Nemesis.de to run a really old, original multi-user dungeon game. Really, yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, thank you very much for uh, this interview, and uh, good luck to uh, with the exhibition. Okay, I'm with another booth, and this time I'm with Punkte Linien Kreise, das grafische Terminal Robotron K8917. I have no clue. There's a system here with Robotron on it. So, who are you and what is a Robotron? My name is Dirk Karnert. Um, I, in my, as in, in my hobby time, I work with uh, Robotron computers. And I do some research on these devices and I try to, to get them to work, to restore them. And every year um, I, um, I do research on another device. And this year there is the Robotron K8917. Um, it's a terminal device. The device boots as a text terminal so that you can um, type, type something on the keyboard and what you type on the keyboard is uh, sent to the, over the serial line 
And what is sent over the serial line to the terminal, um, it's um, written on, um, on the screen, such as a normal terminal. The special on this terminal is that you can use a graphics mode. Um, there is um, a special escape sequence on this, on this terminal that switches to graphics mode. Graphics mode is um, when you are in graphics mode. The first time you have to, the, the first thing you have to you you have to do is that you um, have to change the configuration of the serial line because the text mode of the terminal, the alphanumerical mode, works with um, seven bits parity, and the graphics mode works with eight bits and no parity. When you are in graphics mode, you um, have to search on the on the on the documentation of this device what protocol you have to run. In the documentation is written um, what what commands are possible, graphical commands, um, what bytes you have to the the the, the bytes you the, the byte sequence you have to send just to get the terminal to work in graphics mode. The first um, in graphics mode that you have to do is to initialize the, uh, this 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 mode of the terminal, and all commands are um, um, the, the the commands um, that you that you use there are described in a standard that, that is named graphical kernel system. It's a, it's, it's a standard from the Western world that was adapted to Eastern Germany. And um, just, just out of curiosity, that so, okay, so you, you're researching uh, uh, how, how to um, uh, draw uh, graphics on, on this device, but what is a Robotron? Um, ah, so, so, sorry, perhaps I have to, um, I have to do another way. Um, To describe it, uh, uh, Robotron is a um, computer. Is the major computer manufacturer from the from the GD, from the former GDR, from the German Democratic Republic, and um, Robotron supplied um, um, every the GDR. That's that's what other people would call Eastern Germany. Eastern Germany, yes, yes, yes. It's it's Eastern Germany, and, and Robotron is uh, was the major supplier for um, um, devices on in information technology, computers, um, controllers, um, nearly everything that that um, where you have to handle data. Is from from uh, um, from Robotron. There are um, some man, man, some manufacturers that were united in something uh, that was called Combinat. So you have to the, you have the head um, a head something like a headquarter that, that is the Combinat Robotron. And this device was produced in Salamelis in Thuringia. That is one. Um, and, and, and when was it produced? It was produced in the second half of the 80s. I think I think it's 1988. I have to look at the bottom of the device. I, uh, I okay. So if I if I understand correctly, 
in eastern uh, uh, Germany. You had multiple manufacturers of Robotron equipment, but they were combined in what was called a combinat. Yes, 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 that's right. Um, and, and how many of those manufacturers were there, approximately? Um, I don't, I don't know exactly, but I think ten or twenty, something like that. Something like that. You have um, some manufacturers that um, have that produce computers. Um, Celamelis is um, the produces produced devices for entering data, um, Datenerfassungstechnik. So um, Celamelis produced um, screen terminals. They produced something that was called Betriebsdaten Terminal. So you have um, that are some that are such devices um, that you that you use when you start your work. Um, you have the device mounted on the wall, and if employees start to work, they um, register the, the start of work and register the end of work, or you can a sort of a time registration system. Yes, something like that. There are other kind of terminals that were that were produced in Celamelis. Celamelis was um, also the, the supplier for hard disk devices in the GDR and uh, cassette tape devices. And and was there a, a, a standard on the processor that was in use or something, or was it all different things? Um, the most used the, the mostly used processor was a clone of Z80 the Silox Z80 pro, pro, processor was cloned in GDR and was called U880 and that is the, that is the processor um, that you have that that is that was um, used in a wide range of devices this device has um, exactly said three Z80 processors One that drives the terminal itself, one that drives the graphics processor, and the third one is in the keyboard. Oh, the keyboard has its own processor. The keyboard has its own has its own processor, yes. And that is that is the most mostly used processor. When you uh, the GDR did a step to 16-bit world, first they used first they. Um, Stay it on the on the Psylog way. They cloned the Z8000 processor, and and I know three different uh, computer systems in the GDR that uses the Z8000 processor. And the later step is to switch to 8086 processor from Intel. Okay, so and what were these systems used for from Robotron? Everything, or in the office, or in machines? Um, the, the, the simple answer is everything. <laughs> um, this special device was used for construction. Um, it was a part of a CAD-CAM system. You have a central um, computer. You connect the terminal to it to view graphics, to, in, to, to do graphics input, something like that. But um, um, the systems in general were used for 
office processing, for, um, um, data, for, for data management, for, um, um, uh, for to, to control something, um, nearly everything where IT systems were used for. Okay, and um, the, the the operating system uh, was there a standard or chosen yes. or? Um, there is a wide range of operating systems. The mostly used operating system is a CPM clone called SCP. Um, it's a CPM 2.2 that was adapted to the special hardware. The 16-bit systems use, used DCP, that was a clone of the MS-DOS operating system, but you have a wide range, wide range of uh, special operating systems for, um, for special tasks. Um, there is, for instance, UDOS, that was a clone of Scilog-Rio, the Scilog operating system. Um, you have Unix versions. Um, The Unix system was called MUTOS, Multi-User multi Timesharing Operating System. They used a Unix v7 um, sources and adapted their to, their to special hardware to the 16-bit processors, to the Scilog 8000 processor and to the AT86 And so you can say um, it's nearly the same range of operating systems that is used in in, the, in, in international. And, and, and could everybody buy such a computer in those days? And if yes or no, what do they cost? Uh, um, this, um, this computer, it was nearly impossible to buy it as a private person. As a private person, it was, it was, it was possible to buy a home computer like this um, li like the KC85 systems um, this KC systems are no are not robotron devices you have a robotron robotron KC exactly but uh, there were home computers from the combinat RFT that was the combinat that produces TV sets radio something like this okay so you had you had your combination of manufacturers combinat Uh, for the Robotron computer, and you had also a combinat with manufacturers for the KC uh, computers for personal use. Yes, yes. And this, um, the uh, Robotron computers, there was a special process for companies um, that um, make it possible for companies to uh, buy computers the official way. Um, It was called bilanzierung. Um, so, as a company um, with some, um, as a special company, um, the government says that you you are able to buy this computer. It was planwirtschaft, um, so that someone from the government it, it's. Um, It's simply said, it's more complex, um, but it's simply said, someone from the gov government um, says, you can buy this computer, so the company can, the com company bought this computer, um, so uh, may we use it? Perhaps yes, perhaps no, but we can buy it. Okay, so it started with somebody from the government 
going to a company and said they were allowed to buy a computer. Um, you you simply yet you you can you you can say it so. <laughs> and and uh, was it the same for the the the, the Casey uh, personal computers? Was that also you had to be allowed to buy some? Uh... Um, the first time. Um, was the it was restricted later time you can you can uh, um, you were able to buy it in the shop because first time uh, the first pri priority to supply these computers were, were schools so um, the the government um, um, says computers you you need to have computers in schools just for education And if um, there were much computers in education, some computers were went to the shops so that a private person can buy this computer. And any idea what the pricing was in those days? Um, the pricing of a of a Casey home computer. I personally bought this computer for 2,150 mark of the GDR. And and what would that be be compared in today's uh, dollars or euros? Oh, that that's difficult because uh, the mark of the GDR was not convertible. The the, the official um, official it it was one to one to the Western mark, but uh, that that was not real. Perhaps one to five, one West. Western German mark to five Eastern German mark, perhaps one to ten. Okay, but let's let's do this another way. Um, if you were living in Eastern Germany and you wanted to buy this home computer, and you had a salary, of course, would it be half a monthly salary on average, or a full um, month, or three months, or uh, you know how much pain would it be financially? Um, the price of the computer, I think it was um, twice or third. Twice or third of of the salary of a person. We're going to do this again. Let's risk it. So, what would the price be for a home computer? Okay, let's do this quickly. So how how would how much would it cost in in East Germany for somebody to buy this home computer? Um, I think twice or three times of a salary, of a monthly salary, of a monthly salary of a person. That's a lot. That that's a lot. Yes, um, we use the um, we call it Jugendwire. I don't know the English word. The Jugendwire money of my brother read um, uh, was enough to buy this computer. <laughs> um, and another way it would uh, you have to to um, reserve money for for a long time to get this amount to buy this okay wow um well thank you for this interview and um uh, many happy hours with your robotron <laughs> thanks that that i was able to did you give me the chance to talk <laughs> yeah you're very welcome okay So that's a wrap for this um, edition and interviews for the VCFE.org, uh, the Vintage Computer Festival Europe. Um, I did a couple of interviews. I hope you liked them. Um, 
just let me know in the comments. I'll put some links to some of those projects in the show notes if you're interested in investigating more uh, into these subjects. And, um, well, talk to you next time. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.